Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Macca's. Now available with rich chocolate soft serve. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. This is Sports Day. Around the wicket. Warner goes for one outside the off stump and he carved it away through cover. A beautifully struck boundary. Warner edges through the cordon and down the boundary for four. Oh, they just pulled the third slip out to Bolster Kawaja who sweeps him in front of square out towards mid wicket. No fielder there, Robbo. Jamal approaches from the Paddington and he finds the edge oh. of Warner and it's put down at first slip. Oh. It was in and out. It's been such a problem for them throughout the series. Kawaja uses his feet, he lashes out straight down the ground. A couple of bounces into the rope for four. So the quick in for the Paddington end, he bowls to Warner, who's jammed up. That ball edges and slews away through the court and again, through third slip, down to the boundary for four. Warner's living dangerously, he's 31. It's like it levitated over it, didn't it? Here's Kawaja again, carving. In front of point, out to the O'Reilly stand for four. Kawaja's been hard held this morning at times, but up to 30, he moves from his 73rd delivery. Australia, none for 69. That was hit me stuff, did they, last? Oh, caught it slip, yes. Yes, it is caught it slip. Salman gets Warner again. With his second ball into the attack, Warner was squared up. And just when it looked like Warner was building into a little bit of rhythm, he pulls his glove off. And the crowd's deflated with Warner walking off. That's nasty. Oh. Labashain is back and cutting through cover this time. He tuned that up with the previous and knocks it away to the boundary as a follow-up. He's bowling around the wicket straight away to Kawaja, who pulls him, skies it, but gets plenty as well. Then it trickles into the rope. Kawaja pulling, and it's a shout for leg before. It ends up with the keeper, and they want it. They want it upstairs. Things. I have a mark on hotspot. Yeah, on the bottom glove. Kawaja's in strife here. You can hear Joel Wilson. Reverse decision. You're on screen. Signal now. Giving the instruction to Michael Goff and Pakistan, who bowled wow. with control after lunch. They've brought back Jamal and second over into the attack. He picks up Usman Kawaja for 47. Bowls here. Short Smith takes it on, finds the gap, gets it out for four. Two men in the deep, but he bisects them. The deep backward square Smith. Again, he must have known it was coming with the field set that way. The umpires have come to speak to Shan Masood between overs. Don't take them off. They're going to take them off for light. Yep. No. There's 20,000 plus people here. I'm booing as well. Listen to the crowd in the background. The floodlights are on. This is two years in a row. This happened on day one last year and it felt completely unacceptable. 
and it feels precisely the same way today. Well said, Jared. Unbelievable what went down on day two of the third test at the SCG between Pakistan and the Aussies. The Aussies trail Pakistan by 197 runs with eight wickets remaining. David Warner was dismissed in perhaps his last test match innings for 34 after riding his lark. Usman Khwaja was a little bit lucky. He trickled one down leg side and he was out for 47. Lavashane is not out 23, joined by Steve Smith. Not out six, but the story of the day is that at 2.23 local time on a Sydney summer day in a stadium with full lights, play was abandoned due to bad light. Uh, I mean, test match cricket continues to shoot itself in the foot. And then, surprise, surprise, in Sydney, the rest of the day was washed out, as it seems to be every year at the SCG. Now, Bharat Sundarayson is going to join us, part of the SEN cricket commentary team. He had a terrific chat with Josh Hazelwood this morning and questioned him on the Aussies' tactics to the tail yesterday. Uh, and there's a lot we need to speak to Bharat about. But if you've got a thought, the Harcourt's open line, well, it's always open on 1300 736 736. 04339811116 is the timber text. And we are here for Kia. Epic has arrived. The all-electric Kia EV9. And for Maccas, the Chicken Big Mac is back at Macca's. We would love your thoughts. We would love for you to join in the conversation. Big welcome into our South Australian audience as well. We've got a great prize to give away for you to the caller of the night. Thanks to Budget Car and Truck Rental Moving House user team that's easy and affordable Budget Car and Truck Rental. A double pass into the MTX Club, if you don't mind, to see the Strikers and the Scorchers on Friday night. Scorchers smashed the Strikers in Perth last night. If you stayed up for that... Hasn't been a great BBL season yet for our strikers. Hopefully they can turn it around and you'll be there to see it in the MTX Club on Friday night for the call of the evening. I've got some footy that I want to talk about. It's that time of year where Champion Data start releasing some of their information and they've gone through the depth of each of the 18 teams. Where does your club sit? Well, I'll tell you shortly. And there's an interesting article saying in The Age that I read today saying that football, that's soccer, whichever way you want to refer to it, will overtake all ball sports as the predominant sporting code in this country very, very soon. I'll tell you who said that and the reasons behind that shortly. But let's get to our next guest, part of the SEN cricket commentary team. In fact, he's one of the better cricket commentators in the world and does it all across the world. His name is Brat Sunderace. And Brat, thanks so much for your time again on Sports Day. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Ken, and for your kind words always. No, no, we, I always appreciate your generosity with your time and, and your comments doing a magnificent job, but there wasn't a lot to comment on today. I, I don't know. What, what is going on? We, we get so frustrated. We're at a summer's day on the SCG at 2.30 in the afternoon in a stadium with a full set of lights, state-of-the-art, and we abandoned play due to bad light. And I guess the criticism has been there for all of us to see. Where do you sit on it, Brett? No, look, and, and you're completely right. Uh, I heard your intro there, Ken. You speak about how test cricket doesn't help itself. And I think you'd have all these archaic rules in place. And it's, it's designed to, you know, yes, I, I get the safety aspect of it for the players. Mm. But it's a game of cricket. Right, yeah, I mean, the way it played out was at 2.23, the umpires walked up to the Pakistan captain and said, hey, look, if you do not bowl spinners from either end, it's a little too unsafe for the fast bowlers to bowl and we'll have to take uh, the players off. And he said, now nah, we're going to stick with the seamers. 
and they go off or go off for bad life. But uh, like like you said, I mean, at a time when we're talking about Test cricket, its arrival, at least as we knew it, uh, with uh, teams who are not India, England, Australia playing Test cricket or continuing to play that format, the only way it's going to survive is to keep the players on the field and get them to play in some form or the other. Right. I mean, there's been mm. suggestions about say, using the pink ball. Mm. Um, okay, in these kind of situations, just like put it in few hours with the pink ball while the light is on, or, or anything, anything to just make sure that, uh, like you said, 20,000, 30,000 people uh, who were at the SCG and the millions tuning in um, get their money's worth. And, and this is where you know you you can be a traditionalist and like blame everything, every e- evil or every ill in cricket as you knew it on the T20 leagues. But they are fan-friendly. What they do make sure is if you have paid money to come to the ground, they'll try their level best to get you a game of cricket, whether it's in the IPL, if it's rain, well, drag it, drag it out till 1.30 a.m. But it's yeah. very unlikely that you won't go without seeing a game of cricket. And it came at a bad time, didn't it? Because, I mean, the, the debate, it seems like the last week is really raging about the future of Test cricket. And a lot of people and smart people have had their say. And... I think the concerns are real and they're coming from uh, pretty respected figures. You know, Moses Onreeks has spoken about it and the governing body, the boss of the Cricket Association boss, has spoken about it, Todd Greenberg. And, and it's real, Barat. So to have this today on the back of that debate and what South Africa have done with their tour, it's not great timing. Not great timing at all. And, yeah, the timing is everything, right, in life and um, uh, yeah, but Nick Hockley said it's a, it's a, it's a wake-up call, what happened with the South African squad announcement. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's not about the players, right? I mean, one thing with sport is, and you know this better than anyone, mm. um, if, till the time, if you're the administrator or people in power who make these decisions, um, the players will eventually uh, get around to whatever is put in front of them. Uh, till the time, it, it's like not unsafe, uh, and it's not never going to be unsafe. Uh, in, in a game of cricket in that sense. So um, it, it's about them. Like, you know, you have to move on. You have to shake off some bits of the tradition uh, that do exist in, in our traditional format. Uh, because the whole time of maybe the spread of test cricket, that time has come and gone. I don't think it's going to spread out anymore. It's about keeping what you have and preserving what you have. Um, mm. So any rule that you put in place, any law you bring in place, which allows for cricket to just continue, uh, when it rains, it rains, right? Like, and, and what happened today was once they went off, and, and like I always say, the one control the match officials have is while they're still on the field. They have a control over when you leave the field, but once you do that, what you do is you hand over the control of that to Mother Nature. And then we were just waiting for the light to get better or the rain to come. And it's Sydney, so the rain came before the light got better. Yeah. And then you're forced to talk about all things other than cricket for, for four hours, which is a disaster for the, for the commentators. But you're right. If, if it's up to the players, and even Ricky Ponting, his team players today on, on Channel 7, he's saying, no, no, this is the right rule. But of course he's going to say that because he wants to preserve his average and he wants the best conditions to make as many runs as he can. But to your point, it's not about the players. Uh, let's talk about some cricket because, I mean, it was a reasonably uneventful day. Warner was dropped an absolute mm. slitter in the slips again. He got himself 34 and perhaps what is going to be his last test match innings. Kawaja looked good until he was a little bit unlucky with his dismissal. But Pakistan were reasonably disciplined, keeping things tight. Oh, very much so. And a lot of credit to Pakistan, just the way uh, after Perth, we've seen so many visiting teams just kind of 
completely get dispirited and uh, not even compete. But they competed in Melbourne. A few things had gone their way. Who knows? They could have made a match of it. They nearly did that 4 for 16 when that catch went down. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, Amir Jamal showed us yesterday in that last wicket partnership uh, that, uh, you know, they're here to fight. They're here to make an impact. And, uh, you know, talk before the series, Kane was all about Babar Azam and Shaheen Shah Afridi and maybe a little bit of Mohamed Rizwan. But the mm. guys who really put their hand up are guys we had never heard of before in Ahmed Jamal, Mir Hamza, Aga Salman, who got rid of David Warner today. Uh, and you're right, the innings wasn't going anywhere. Pakistan scored well over 4 and over yesterday. They were. They took a few risks, things went their way towards the end. Uh, but they suffocated Australia, and that led to the Usman Khawaja dismissal. And, and David Warner, yeah, I mean, he just didn't look at his fluent best, did he? Put, pulled mm. off two cover drives, but yeah, that catch, another catch going down in first slip um, uh, from Pakistan. Uh, and then eventually he gets out to a, a pretty soft dismissal. That ball did, like, grip and turn a lot from the off-spinner. Um, and, and yeah, and especially in someone's retirement test, uh, when so- they get out in the first innings, you're like, oh, should we get all emotional now or maybe hope <laughs> that he gets another chance? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in a way, the, the way the match is placed, unless Australia really bat the house down tomorrow, it, I think he will get another chance. Who knows? Maybe in a dramatic run chase on day five. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awkward whether the players line up and give him a guard of honour on the way out, but I, you can't do that. They did that when he when he went out to bat, so mm. uh, you don't need to double up. Hey, I listened to you and Adam with uh, Josh Hazelwood before the start of play today, and it, he was up and about and he was friendly. You, you quizzed him on the tactics of the, the fast bowlers last night, which the short stuff sort of worked a little bit, but then it didn't. Were you satisfied with his answers, and how do you think the Aussies would have reflected on those tactics? No, I, it's, it's become a norm now, Kane, around the world. As soon as number seven and eight come, uh, but, you know, it's all about matchups and uh, analysis these days, right, across all formats. Uh, it, there is a lot of analysis in there uh, where teams just decide to go short. Uh, you know, the longest time, uh, that wasn't always the case. You always targeted the stumps, right? Uh, mm. And if you look at it, till that last wicket partnership, so if you go back to the last innings in Melbourne uh, and what they did yesterday, Australia had taken nine for 51 with that short ball against Pakistan's lower order. So it made sense for them to continue, or at least it, uh, you, know, you couldn't pull them up for that. But the one thing we've seen with the short ball ploy, even during the Ashes, is even both with Australia and England and other teams as well, is once you stick to that, it seems to be very difficult to, to kind of pull it back. And, uh, and you have, in that situation, with just one wicket to go, batters just take chances, and the short ball can travel, which is what we saw yesterday. And then the team just get, the batting team just gets away. So, I mean, maybe you can criticize the execution to an extent, mm. but it's just a norm that we've gotten used to. It's not always fun, <laughs> like we saw during the Ashes when both teams were just going uh, short and uh, expecting the batters to just uh, hold one up in the air or get out in that fashion. But um, it's not fun viewing always, but it's just become a thing, and unfortunately, you just have to get used to it. Brad Sunderason is with us, part of the SEN cricket commentary team. The Aussies, two for 116. They trail Pakistan by 197 runs with eight wickets remaining after day two. Was initially suspended due to bad light, and then it was washed out. Bit of talk today gaining momentum about Steve Smith potentially replacing David Warner at the top of the order. So Shane Watson has said that he likes that. And then Glenn McGrath said on another network today that he has heard that Stephen Smith is open to it. What's your thoughts on Smith opening the batting? Uh, well, uh, Pete Lawler brought this up on TV with me today, and I kind of dismissed him <laughs> because uh, I, I would I would personally be surprised. But like, look, Steve Smith 
uh, is at an inter interesting stage in his career. Uh, you know, he's, he's still averaging, he still averaged 40 last year. Uh, but, you know, we've gotten so used to for three, four years after he came back from the one-year ban, for him averaging in the 60s or 70s annually, uh, that last year felt like his, his numbers not only dipped, but he wasn't informed. But I don't think that was the case. Uh, but it, it could be an interesting challenge, something that uh, he might want to take up at this stage of his career. Though it would surprise me, he's been such a middle-order grade. And Usman Khawaja was asked that in the press conference today. Uh, and he said the same. I mean, why would you move the best number four ever in the history of the game and get them to open? Um, and also, then what, what message does that send to uh, you know, some of the other specialist openers around the country? It's one thing saying, look, we want Cameron Green on the side and push putting him to open. But I don't know if, uh, if they go that Steve Smith route, whether it, uh, uh, it would make sense in that sense. But look, again, that's the beauty of it, right? That's what David Bonner has done. Because he's such a special player, there is no like-for-like -like replacement available. So you just, it, they've left it open for um, all of us to have a say, whether you're in the media or not. And you know, it's good uh, you know, on days like these. It allows for these debates and topics to, for, uh, or discussions to kind of flow. Um, and, and who knows, tomorrow we might be talking about Alex Carey. Yeah. So start now. Well, Travis Head. <laughs> no. I was going to bring up Travis Head. He's opened in the short format. Uh, you know, he's yeah. not dissimilar to David Warner with how attacking he is. Uh, I'm not sure about his technique against the new ball. He seems mm -hmm. to get caught a lot, but you know, he's the right age. I'd like to see Travis Head. Yeah, and I think that's been discussed in the past. But with Travis Head, they seem to have a very horses for courses kind of um, uh, view on where he bats. Uh, like we saw him open the innings in the last two test matches in India. He he took Australia home in that famous test win in indoor uh, with his innings on day three. Uh, but I think just in England and in Australia where they feel like his best output is at number five where he can mm. break the game mm. as he has so often in the last 18 months. I don't think they're very keen on moving him um, anyway, Manas has made it very clear he doesn't want to open. Mm. Mitchell Marsh has said he doesn't want to open. And Travis said, like I said, they're not keen on getting him to open. So, which kind of leaves you with either Steve Smith uh, or bring Cameron Green in and make him open, or you just bring a specialist opener in. Uh, Steve Smith is a great, great uh, uh, talking point for sure, always uh, with what he does. Uh, but hey, he's in there. What if he makes the double hundred at number four tomorrow? <laughs> I might, we might not be talking about him opening then. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, long may it continue. We have two weeks before we find out who will, who will replace David Warner. Yeah, well, uh, it's Steve Smith's due as well, so it wouldn't surprise me if he makes uh, a lot of runs uh, tomorrow. Now, before we let you go, you, you would have caught up on all things world cricket. What, what about 23 wickets falling <laughs> on the first day of the second test against South Africa and India. Oh, th this is this is crazy stuff, Bharat. Can you make any sense of that? <laughs> crazy stuff. And how about Ravi Shastri? I know. Game? They made me do was... Ravi Shastri this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, Ravi Shastri last night goes, if you went around the corner to take a dump. <laughs> and today, uh, Aga Salman uh, was off the field when that catch went down. He asked, he was asking the press conference about you know him not being on the field when the catch went down. And he said, I went on a pee break. Like a lot of toilet talk in the last yeah. 12 hours or so in World Cricket. No, crazy. That series has been pretty crazy already. Right? That first test, South Africa dominated, whereas it was supposed to be India's final chance or uh, finally India going and winning a series in South Africa. That wasn't to be. Uh, but just crazy. I mean, India seemed to be in an okay position and what, losing six wickets in 11 balls. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I think play is going to resume soon enough on day two. 
the game could be over in a session, in this mm. first session. It could be a four-session test match without mm. any rain issues. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, whether, is it great for test cricket? I heard Harsha Bogle say it's not great for test cricket. Uh, I haven't seen the pitch. I haven't seen, I've just seen a, some, some highlights and a lot of people who watched it say it wasn't really the pitch. It was just poor batting and okay bowling. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy. And to know that, and to think that, like, if South Africa, I mean, the same South African bowlers who've taken six wickets of 11 balls will be playing T20 cricket the next time South Africa play tests. It's a bizarre world we are living in right now when it comes to cricket. Yeah, never seen anything like it. It was the first time in test cricket six wickets have fallen on the same score. South Africa complained about how fast the wicket was. I, I haven't heard much of that. It wasn't unevenness they were worried about. It was how fast the, the ball was coming on. But anyway, same for both teams. Brat, uh, we will tune in tomorrow from, I guess, about 9.30 and look forward to hopefully more action on day three. Appreciate your time. Anytime, Ken. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the Sydney weather holds up and Jared and Pete don't get into another argument about it. Yeah, I've been enjoying the byplay between uh, Pete defending <laughs> Sydney weather. He's doing a pretty good job against all odds to defend the weather up there. Uh, Barat Sunderace and our guest, you'll hear him back with the rest of the crew. Simon Cadditch, Jared Waitley, Pete Lawler, uh, Adam Collins, Brad himself and, and others. Uh, SEN doing a magnificent job covering the summer of cricket. If you're catching up on that, score between South Africa and India. South Africa were dismissed for 55 in their first innings. Uh, Mohamed Siraj took six for 15 off nine overs. And then India were cruising before they lost six wickets for none in 11 balls. And former Indian captain and coach Ravi Shastri couldn't contain his anger and has said one of the great commentary lines uh, that we have heard. one 736 if you want to join in the program. In fact, I think we've got Barry who's in right with us. Baz, thanks for holding, mate. Appreciate your time and welcome to Sports Day. No worries, Kane. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Kane, I'd love to try to understand this. Uh, at midnight, they're happy to play with the lights on. Mm. But at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they're not happy to play with some natural light and the lights on. I don't understand that. No, it's I, I can't get my head around it, Barry. I was sitting there going, y you, you're not going off. You, you can't be going off. I like, didn't even, like, you, of course you get the natural light on TV. So unless you're there, I get you can't fully judge the light. But everyone else who was there, Jared Waitley and the crew on Channel 7 and everyone commentating, I was listening a bit to Triple M, they're saying the same thing. We, we've got a, 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 a stadium with a you know, great set of lights state-of-the-art, and we can't play test cricket at 2.30 on a Sydney summer's day. It, it blows my mind. And the fact that Ricky Ponting was defending this decision, I understand Ricky Ponting is a favourite of many, but he lost me today. Uh, he's saying that it's the right call to go off. In a time when test cricket has been um, as heavily criticised as I have seen and the future of the whole of the game is in question, we are leaving play on a pretty boring day like if you'd bought tickets to go to day two and that was the only day you were going the the jane mcgrath test um such a special occasion and you saw 40 overs and, and 40 pretty rubbish boring overs and they're leaving due to bad light and then it gets rained out you'd be pretty flat you'd want a refund i reckon barry so don't disagree with anything that you've said and the game needs to toughen up the batsmen need to toughen up barat was perfectly put it to say that take the decision out of the players hands and make the game go on. I always see rules all the time that players don't agree with. AFL players don't want an interchange cap, but it's better for the game. 
AFL players don't necessarily want to play off five-day breaks, but we want Thursday night footy, so too bad. You have to stomach it and play off five-day breaks on a on a Thursday night. Um, so uh, I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree more with you, Barry, and I think most people are on your side. Shane's in Brisbane. He's with us. What do you think, Shane? Okay, yeah, just change. Um, the only interesting part about it was was that the Pakistan was given the opportunity to bowl two spin bowlers, the mm. red ball and the white ball, so the white ball was effective. So they had that opportunity to keep the play going, like what's happened in the past. So it's not sort of all the fault of the officials. They had the opportunity and chose not to continue with two spinners. Yeah, I understand. What if, what if they're... You know, I mean, but the, the the prospect of bowling two spinners and having, I don't know, Smith and, and Labashain get going and completely take the game away from you against those spinners in, in a session, I, I can't blame the Pakistan players for not wanting to do that. And, and that's to the point. Take the decision out of the players' hands. Of course, if you're going to speak to the, the batsmen, they're going to say, no, nah, get off. I want to protect my average. I want to bat in the best conditions possible. And the same for Pakistan. They, they, they're, 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 they'd love a draw. A draw would be magnificent. So don't give them the option. Of course, they're going to go off. So I'm not saying it's the fault of either of the two teams. I'm saying it's the fault of the governing bodies and the stupid rules that allow this to happen when you've got a stadium with brand spanking lights that you can see under. Like, use a pink ball, do whatever you have to do. Don't give them the option to get off the ground. one 736 736 is the number. We'll get to Peter... On the other side of this, this is Sports Day and there's plenty on the program. We're going to talk some footy as well, some tennis with Brett Phillips after Alex Demonor. Didn't he shock the world with his upset win over Novak last night? We'll be back after this. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Macca's. Now available with rich chocolate soft serve. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. This is Sports Day. It is Sports Day and loving your calls on the IMR Insurance Open Line, one 736 736 We'll talk some footy and we'll talk some tennis very, very shortly. But Peter is in Lake Macquarie and he's been waiting incredibly patiently for us. Pete, welcome to Sports Day, mate. What's your thoughts? Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, oh, I've got a number of things to talk about here and... You know, we talk about, you know, light meters and so on at the SCG and, and so on. And, and you know, I, I suppose it comes down to, yes, weather plays a, a big part in, in what's happened in the last in the last few years at the SCG. Um, yeah, we've got the whole, you know, world climate thing that's going on and whatever. Mm. But um, I think, you know, sort of pretty interesting um, chat with Pat Cummins in the stands this afternoon uh, via the KO Sports coverage and said the boys were pretty happy to walk off the field. Um, and knowing that, uh, you know, Pakistan weren't happy to play two spinners and, yep. and so on, they, they, weren't, they weren't bowling at, you know, 130, 135s. You know, it's pretty frustrating when it happens. But where, 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 where it gets my goat is, uh, you know, like you can put chips in golf balls, to go find your, your ball in the rough, like I'm a mm. greenkeeper. So mm. you can put chips in a golf ball and you know, measure on your watch, metre away from where your golf ball is. Um, surely you can change a ball um, to, to suit the light. And, 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 you know, we've got the pink ball, we've got the pink test matches, we can do all that. Yeah. But also, um, you know, when it comes to rugby league as well, 
you know, why can't we put a chip in the ball? And the chip automatically reacts straight away, and the referee says, forward pass. It, it just it, it doesn't doesn't compute with me. It just it just. It's an interesting one, um, Pete. Yeah, like I obviously follow the footy closely and um, uh, the Adelaide Crows cost themselves, well, they didn't cost themselves a spot in the finals. They were cost a spot in the finals because the goal umpire thought the ball hit the post and it didn't. Like, so surely there, there's better technology than that. And we, we talk about that almost weekly in AFL football. But you're right. How, well, we've got a full... I don't think it's even an issue technology for this one today. You've got a full set of lights at a stadium at 230 on a summer's day at the SCG and you can't stay out there, like like toughen up, even if it is using a pink ball, something had to be done today. That was a ridiculous one, but I get it. The technology in other sports, surely uh, there's going to be some significant advancements in that shortly. Thanks for your thoughts, mate. Appreciate it. If you've got a thought on any of that and, and what Pete had to say, give us yours, one 736 736 And just reminding those of you listening to us on 1629, S-A-S-E-N-S-A, I should say. We've got a great prize to give away. All thanks to Budget Car and Truck Rental, a double pass to the MTX Club to see the Strikers and the Scorchers on Friday night. Move with the team that's easy and affordable, Budget Car and Truck Rental. Just before we get to Brett Phillips to talk about uh, the stunning events last night, uh, we, we spoke to him yesterday and asked him about Alex Dimonor, and we said he's a quarterfinal about the ceiling of where he can go in the Australian Open. Well, perhaps that has changed after what happened with his straight sets win over Novak Djokovic, the biggest win of his career. We'll get BP's thoughts on that very, very shortly. But um, Champion Data has combed through each 2023 AFL list and picked out the depth of your club and have ranked them 1 to 18 on which club has the best depth. It's a little bit complicated how they've done this. To do it, uh, points were assigned per player bracket so those players are ranked inside the top 50. So each player is ranked on the position that they play. And if you're inside the top 50 of those, you are assigned a point. Three points per top 10 player, two points for players ranked 11 to 30, and one point for those ranked between 31 and 50. And then that has given you a depth score of your list according to champion data. So to give you an example, GWS had seven players rated in the top 10, that equals 21 points. They had six players ranked from 11 to 30, so 12 points there, and nine players ranked 31 to 50 to give them a total of 41 points. If there was a tiebreaker, um, the deciding factor was which teams had more players ranked inside the top 50 per position. Uh, it was based on 2023 list, so if a player was traded like a Lockie Schultz from Fremantle, he is still included in Fremantle's list, not Collingwood's, which is a bit of... A strange one and, and perhaps they could have cleaned that up but anyway this gives you an indication the team with the best depth in the afl according to champion data is the giants so they had seven as i said seven players uh between uh 11 and 30 they had six between 31 and 50 and uh they had a, a few in the top 10 as well i couldn't i was a little bit surprised but i think we all like the giants and the way that they're tracking and surprised definitely a few of us last year under a new coach, but they're one. Uh, Blues fans, you've got the second best depth in the competition, if you don't mind. Collingwood, the Premiers, come in at three. Melbourne at four. Brisbane at five. The Adelaide Crows. It is finals or bust for the Crows this year. They have no excuses. Year five of a rebuild. Uh, their list is in order. They've got some big recruits, and they've got the depth, according to champion data, there at six. 
Sydney at seven and Richmond, which is surprising. I don't think Richmond have good depth at all, to be honest. I think they'll be right down the bottom. But Champion Data disagree. They've got them at eighth. And then you can go right through. Um, last, of course, is North Melbourne. And second last is West Coast. So no surprises. But perhaps the biggest surprise for me was Gold Coast with the third worst depth in the competition, according to Champion Data. I couldn't believe that with the amount of draft pick access that they have had recently and the track that they are on. If you've got a thought on that and you've got any questions on it and where your team sits, let us know. one 736 736 Let's get to our next guest because he's ready. He's always ready in January. It is his time of the year and he would be up and about because one of his favourites and has been for a long time is Alex Dimonor and he pulled off the biggest win of his career last night, upsetting Novak Djokovic in straight sets. BP, how about that? Welcome back. Uh, thank you, Kane. Well, you know, yeah, many many have doubted that this young man could ever be a top ten player. Mm. I'll tell you what, it's becoming more a reality every single day. Now, I mean, it's a couple of ways of sort of looking at uh, last night. And look, Alex played terrific tennis, and I, I, I absolutely say with confidence to you, Kane, that he's on the upward curve. And I think you know where he's going to land, but he should be somewhere in the top ten uh, by year's end. He might just sneak into the, the lower parts. Then you look at Djokovic uh, last night, the issues with the wrist. I mean, we had that issue, was it last year, with his hamstring? We didn't quite yeah. know whether it was, you know, full on. Was there a bit of gamesmanship in that? You know, was everything on the line for Djokovic last night? No. You know, he's got bigger fish to fry come the Australian Open. So there was probably just conserving, conserving a little bit. Uh, but take nothing away from Demonor. Look, he's got all the tools to worry these guys. Now, whether he could ever win a Grand Slam one day, you know, he might get one little window, who knows, depending on the draw and matchups and everything else. But he's, you know, he's on the verge of the top 10. And I think that's driving him to prove the doubt is wrong. That's been coming out of Alex's mouth a bit, who mm -hmm. just don't believe he's up with that top echelon of player. Uh, but, you know, to be a, a number one and to take the top 10 scalps that he has been doing over the last uh, 12 to 15 months has given him enormous confidence. So... We're in good hands. So this kid gives everything, and that's all we oh, ask. I heard, is it? you know, yeah. well, you know, I heard your, uh, you know, your sermon on uh, on Nick Kyrgios. I think you know where I've stood across the journey on uh, Nick, and you know, but one thing we can guarantee with Alex is that he mightn't have all the, you know, the publicity of Kyrgios, but this is a guy you want to go and watch play, and you get every value for every dollar you spend when you sit courtside. So he's a beauty, this kid. Yeah, no, I think for the athletes that I respect are those that put their head on the pillow at night and go, could I have given any more than what I've given today? And, yep. and largely the answer is is no for, for Alex, regardless of the mm. result. Uh, and you've, I mean, you've been big on him, I would think now, for, for four to five years. Yep. And you've said, just, just keep an eye on this kid. He's coming and he's, he certainly arrived. I did like... Novak's comments where, you know, they asked him about his wrist and I think mm. tennis players historically far too often haven't given their opponents the credit. Or, well, that's unfair. Some of the some of the tennis players, and I think of Serena Williams is the one that sticks in my mind. It yep. was She was never beaten by a better opponent. There was always an excuse where, where Novak said, yeah, the wrist isn't ideal, but let's not take anything away from Alex Demonor. This is the biggest moment in his career and let's let him enjoy it. Yeah, and I think that's you know that's been par for the course with Djokovic across uh, the journey. He'll, he'll always pay 
credit where credit's due. Um, you know, he's he's won a lot of support, Djokovic, from the lower end of uh, the tennis ecosystem. I mean, he's been instrumental in setting up this sort of PTPA, this you know players association that tennis has never had. They've now got an executive director. They're they're really going into fight for the players to make sure they get what they deserve out of the game, not just the top echelon, but all those down the pecking order to 200, 300, 400 in the world who are all very competent, who should be, you know, not in the poverty area of, Mm. um, you know, where they are right now trying to earn a dollar. So, yeah, I think, you know, the legacy of Djokovic will be interesting. I mean, he's been polarising, yes, but he probably has gone in to fight for that lower end more than what Nadal and Federer have ever done across their career. So, you know, there's always, you know, two arguments and two ways of looking at, you know, someone's impact. Mm. Do, you, do you think it has any doubts over uh, Novak's ability to, to, to back up and go back to back at the Australian Open? Or is it just a little a little blip for him and he's experienced enough to, to brush this off and he'll, he'll still be the favourite for the title? I think this guy, Kane, is so good at managing his body. He's done this better than anyone. This is what's allowing him to play at 36, 37 years of age at such a good level still. So whether it's a hamstring, whether it's a wrist, Mm. I mean, tennis players, as we know, they're afforded little time off. Now, he gets a lesser schedule. He's only playing 18 tournaments a year compared to most guys are playing up to, you know, 27, 28 because of where he is in the sport. So he does get his breaks to recuperate and he's kept his body in unbelievable nick. But you know, I mean, as he's getting older, these little things are going to occur, but he is so good at managing it and finding a way to get through. I mean, he's won so many majors that he just works his way through a fortnight and deals with the ailments that he has. It's not going to, you know, totally restrict him from playing at his best. He might be in a bit of pain, but yeah, he's uh, he's become really the Iron Man from the, the early days of someone who was so feeble in the Australian hot conditions where he, he was melting before he'd even started playing. Yeah. So, no, he's become uh, incredibly durable. And the Aussies are in good shape with the United Cup. They're heading to Sydney yep. for their respective semi-finals. Yeah, so we await the winner of Greece or Germany. So they'll play tomorrow. So, yeah, travel day for the Aussies today. They'll acclimatise to Ken Rosal Arena tomorrow. And then that'll be the Saturday night primetime uh, semi. Uh, Poland are the other team in, so they'll play the winner of France and Norway, who are playing at the moment. The French certainly the favourites there. Uh, but, yeah, look, it'd be great if Australia could win the United Cup. Uh, it'd be a nice way to start the year. Obviously, any team competition we take seriously, be it Davis Cup, Billy Jean King Cup, Labor Cup, well, not so much Australia involved in that, but... Yeah, we uh, have a history of giving it our all. We love playing for the green and gold. That's built into the mantra of uh, Aussie athletes here. So, yeah, the way Demonor's playing, Isla looked better last night, you know, starved of matches last year, Isla Tomjanovic. And we've got the current world number one, Storm Hunter and Matt Ebden, who's had an incredible year to be top 10 in doubles. Mm. If it does come down to that deciding mixed doubles. So, yeah, Australia, huge chance. So now that we've seen off Serbia and the US as well. Yeah, that's no, good. Heading in with uh, with ripping form, but that was that was such a great surprise last night to see Alex do what he did, and hopefully that can continue. BP, appreciate your time. Nicely done. Pleasure. Thank you, Kane. Brett Phillips there. He's going to speak to us right throughout the summer of tennis, as he always does. You can catch him on Channel 9 as well, the first serve on, on SEN, and, of course, across all of our various programming on SEN right throughout the year, to be fair, but particularly throughout the summer of tennis and throughout the Australian Open. Plenty of sports news around the place. We touched on that remarkable cricket game um, in South Africa where the South Africans were bowled out for 55, then India lost six for none off 11 balls. Uh, That game is set to resume. South Africa at three for 62 in their second innings, and we'll see if that game lasts 
two days, uh, which would be staggering. And some other sports news headlines around the place, and that is all thanks to the Spirit of Tasmania. You can stretch out in freedom on board Spirit of Tassie, free from luggage limits. You can pack more into your adventure with the Spirit of Tassie. There was cricket everywhere last night. Uh, and the first of the BBL games featured the Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Sixers. Brisbane knocked them off to remain on top of the BBL 13 ladder with yet another rain-affected match. Now, the Heat only needed 101 runs after the Duckworth-Lewis-Stern system had to intervene, um, and they have now won five games from their first seven. Paul Walter was the Heat's best player of the game, and he collected figures of two for 25 from his three overs, and he scored a crucial 23 not out to help lift his side to victory. Uh, it was a whitewash in Perth. The Scorchers, gee, they're a good side, and they have been right from the start of the BBL competition. Thanks largely. you got to watch this. Uh, you got to watch this innings uh, from Laurie Evans. I haven't heard much about Laurie, but I watched his innings last night. 85 off 28. I think he got to 50 off 18. It was certainly the fastest Scorchers half century ever. So he arrived at the crease when the Scorchers uh, were on 96 off their first 12 overs, and he helped propel them to a score of 211 uh, with the last 46 balls of the innings. Of course, that was too much for the strikers who could only get themselves to 169 runs in their run. Chase Lance Morris is a star. He claimed five for 24 for the Scorchers with the ball. And Melbourne Renegades legend Aaron Finch, one of our favourites, is going to call time on his incredible big bash career, announcing this will be his last season. Um, and, I mean, he's just, he's done it so well. Uh, respected by everyone, really. Finchie and, and do like his work in the commentary box. So I think a, a long future with the media will be there for him. The 37-year-old confirmed the news at Marvel Stadium on Thursday night. Um of that Renegades and Hobart Hurricanes clash. And that was all of your sports news, thanks to Ty Power. The hot summer sale is now on. Your local Ty Power hot summer sale. Get four for the price of three on Kumo Tires. There was some other news around the place, which we'll get to shortly, including a big day of NBA action and some other news around the place from the world of sport. You are listening to Sports Day with Kane Corns. If you're just joining us, Brett Sunder Racing was excellent. He recapped day two of a rain-affected day in Sydney. You can catch up on that with the podcast. And Alex Demonor knocked off Novak Djokovic, if you don't mind. Brett Phillips moments ago giving us his thoughts on that. And we've had a lot of callers tonight as well, which we appreciate. That Harcourt's open line, one 736 736 if you want to have your say. Sports Day for McDonald's. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Macca's. Now available with rich chocolate soft serve. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. This is Sports Day. Yeah, thanks for your company on Sports Day. Kane Corns with you. I have appreciated your company there's a text coming through which i'll get to corn there's nothing wrong with the bats all the batsmen in south africa used their big bats last night as did davy warner today when he hacked around for a shabby 34 it's the flat pitches that determine whether or not the ball flies over the fence a hundred times an innings i think it's a combination of both to be fair i think uh, bats are far too favorable for the batsmen and i think pitches you're right i agree with that they're they're way too flat and i think Boundaries are too small. Uh, so, I, so this game in, in in South Africa, where we saw twenty three wickets fall on on one day, like, like I love that. I think that how good's that? Something actually different, something different. And I think 
to be fair, cricket is doing a better job of making uh, pitches a little bit more even and a little bit more favourable for the bowlers. We we used to get a lot of summers in Australia where you know, 500 was a was a standard score and it, w- it was ridiculous. Uh, now it's a little bit more even. But, yeah, I mean, that pitch will be criticised. You watch South Africa have already whinged about the pitch. I think suck it up. Uh, you get your, your times where you have a flat pitch and everything's going great for the batsman. But every now and then you get a pitch like that where 23 wickets fall uh, in one day. And, and it couldn't have been too bad. I mean, India were four for 153 or something. So that, that's not too bad. And they lost, I understand, six for none. So there was clearly some concentration issues there if they were able to get themselves to four for 150 and then lose six for none. But I think we just need to make it a bit even. And don't be afraid of some rule changes in cricket. Very rarely do we see rule changes. I spoke about baseball on Tuesday night and what they've done to dramatically speed up the game and make it more interesting. Uh, Cricket should definitely look at that. But I appreciate your thoughts off the temper text. 0433981116. There was some basketball news around the place. Headlined by the Dallas Mavericks. They won by 29 over Portland. Uh, Luka Doncic is the NBA MVP right now. If it finished now, he is it. He's dominating. Go and look at his stat line. He got another 41 today. 30 of those came in the first half, but he gets assists and rebounds. He's a freak. He's my NBA MVP. Um, Joel, uh, Joel Embiid is having a good season as well, as is Shea Gilgis-Alexander for OKC. And Jock. Uh, Nikola Jokic is also having another good season as well, but uh, Luka Doncic is the MVP. Plenty more coming up on the other side of this. You're listening to Sports Day with Kane Corns. I will be back after this short breather. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Macca's, now available with rich chocolate soft serve. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. This is Sports Day. Thank you, Tom, on Sports Day. This evening, it's all thanks to Nutrien Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrien.com.au. If you're just joining us, Barat Sunderace and wrapped up a pretty disappointing day two of the Sydney Test, which was initially ended due to bad light, but then was washed out. What a joke. What a disgrace. You've had your say on that on the Harcourts Open Line, and you can continue to do that. We chatted some tennis with Brett Phillips, as always. And now it is time to talk some Queensland racing with our man Chris Nelson. Racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. Check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing today. Chris, welcome to Sports Day. Welcome back. Happy New Year. What's the weather doing in Queensland today? We've seen what it's doing in Sydney. Kane, great to uh, to chat and look the same to you and all the listeners. So I hope 2024 is a really good one for everyone. And yeah, look, we've had a lot of rain up this way. There's no doubt about that. And the Gold Coast has really copped it over the uh, the Christmas New Year period. But amazingly, we have a brand new track at the Gold Coast, which has been a year in, in the making. We've had one meeting on the grass and it was really good. And I, I find it impossible to believe that the track today is a soft five after being a heavy 10 a couple of days ago. So with all that rain... I'd say we'll be back on a good four by Saturday. So it's uh, all credit to the track staff and the new drainage on the new track. Yeah, I was going to ask you how the weather has affected the racing, but not much by the sounds of it. No, no, not at all. It's uh, It's been so wet. I mean, I haven't seen so much rain on the Gold Coast for ages. I thought we'd, uh, we might even be in doubt. We probably would have been on the old track, but uh, this new track, obviously, they've done the drainage really well. So mm. looking forward to Saturday. All right, well, let's talk about it because the first week of the two-week Magic Millions Carnival on the Gold Coast this Saturday, what are you looking forward to? 
Uh, look, I'm looking forward to the Wave race. It's a $250,000 race, so over 1,800 metres for the three- and four-year-olds. A good field there, but we've got some good support races as well. A couple of Class 4s, both worth the same money, 250. A couple of Maidens over uh, 1,400 and 1,100, both worth 250000 And then uh, something else to look forward to is a couple of two-year-old races, the Gold Nugget for the Colts and Geldings and the Gold Pearl for the Phillies. Of course, the Magic Millions two-year-old classic is next Saturday. May we, we may see the, uh, the winner of that race going around this Saturday. Who knows? All right. Well, speaking of winners, we cannot let you go, and we don't let you go without you giving us a tip. So what's your best of the weekend? All right, we'll go race seven. This is the uh, the wave, the major race. Number one, the Vowels, I think, can uh, really appreciate 1,800 metres and prove hard to beat. And one at a bit of odds, race nine, number eight, Warby. It's around uh, double figures. It was a good run last start, so it just needs to overcome a wide gate. But back that one each way, race nine, number eight. And for the AFL fans, race four, number one, Barassi, having its mm-hmm. second start is uh, well worth having something on. Race four, number one. Oh, I like it. Let's hope you get your New Year's tipping off to a great start. Hey, mate, we'll check in with you soon. Enjoy the racing on the weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend, Kate. Okay, everyone listening, hope they're back plenty of winners. Stay dry. Chris Nelson there from Racing Queensland. The racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. Check it out, racingqueensland.com.au to find out where Queensland is racing today. From racing in Queensland to our next guest, let's talk about some trots. Talk with Bronte Newenberg, Harness Racing Victoria, always racing at thetrots.com.au. The trots, you can watch it, live it and love it. Bronte, welcome to Sports Day and thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year to you. How is the year getting off and what is on this weekend? It's getting off pretty well. We're starting off this weekend uh, with the... Two feature races at Bendigo. We have the Ardebaran Park Mary Mile, and we also have the Garrard Horton Hound Bendigo Pacing Cup. And then on Sunday we have the Cobram Pacing and Trotters Cup. The Mary Mile. Now, how prestigious is this one? It's pretty, pretty prestigious. I mean, all of you can think of Mary's Idol that goes back, I think, the early '80s. So, I mean, it's the name. The name is famous in harness racing. Mm. Have you got a winner for us? Who do you, who do you like? I like Queen Elida. Okay, and why is that? She's the queen. She's the fa- I would say she is the fastest trotter mare in Australia at the moment. Oh, it's a big call. All right, and the Bendigo Cup. Have you call. got a winner? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big call. But th- this program is synonymous <laughs> with big calls. We love, we love it when you put it out there and have a strong opinion. So uh, you're more than welcome to do that on this program. What about the Bendigo Cup? You got a winner there for us? The winner is a bit harder. I do have Beyond Delight on top. However, I am going to go with one of the outsiders as a nice roughy uh, place bet for Ultimate Vinny. All right. Well, Bronte, enjoy the racing on the weekend. Sounds like it's absolutely jam-packed. Plenty happening to kick off the year, and we appreciate your time on Sports Day. Hey, we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Have a good night. Bronte Newenberg there from Harness Racing Victoria. They are always racing at thetrots.com.au. The trots, you can watch it, live it, and love it. A couple of big calls that you want to put down in ink if you want to hopefully win a few dollars on the weekend at the trots. Uh, from our trots talk to our WNBL update, let's check in on all of the last night's action with the WNBL. Thanks to the TAC. Drive safely for everyone. A message from the TAC. The top four teams of the WNBL were all in action last night. The Melbourne Boomers coming back from a 10-point halftime deficit. They finished off with a 37-20-point second half. 
they got going in the second half as they got past the south side flyers 67 to 61 nice comeback there uh jordan canada top scored for the boomers with 18 points alongside seven rebounds and five assists and mon conti can she do it all? Well, she can do it all, really. Absolute star in a couple of fields. She chipped in with 17 points, more than handy. And the best part for the Boomers was that the winners moved them back up into second on the ladder. But it is the Townsville Fire that are leading the way in the competition so far this season. They are the team to beat. They extended their lead on top of the ladder to two games with a significant win over the Perth Lynx last night. Uh, they were on fire. All of their starting five chipped in with double digits. So a nice, well-rounded team game from Townsville last night. Now, the next games in the competition see my Adelaide Lightning host the Sydney Flames on Friday night before the Southside Flyers take on the UC Capitals on Saturday night. That's your WNBL update. Now, a reminder, particularly at this time of year, it was a horrible year on the roads last year by any metric. So let's make 2024 better. And the TAC want to tell you that speeding drivers can face large fines, drive safely for everyone. That is a message from the TAC. Let's whip through a little bit of other sport news around the planet. And that is all thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Brandt are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, your parts and your service needs to help you succeed in your field. Scotty Scheffler has been voted the PGA Tour Player of the Year. Uh, over Masters champion John Rahm in a player poll that raises questions over whether the Spaniard was penalised for defecting to live golf. Maybe a popularity vote. Who knows? The world number one had the best statistical season since Woods by leading the tour in all important categories from the tee to the green along with the scoring. What he lacked compared to Rahm was tournament wins. Scheffler won the Players' Championship and the Phoenix Open. Uh, he was incredibly consistent, and Scheffler did not finish worse than 12th until July, but Rahm won four titles, including his second major when he captured the Masters. Uh, earlier today in the cricket, before play got underway on day two of the third test between Australia and Pakistan, Jared Whiteley caught up with Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley. Now, there's lots of questions, as we've discussed on this program, right throughout the week in relation to the future of test cricket. I thought Jared did an excellent job putting all those hard questions to Nick. And to be fair, Nick was pretty optimistic about the future of Test cricket, more so than others like me. Uh, if you've missed any of it, let's have a catch-up of the best bits this morning. Jared Whaley interviewing the Cricket Australia CEO, Nick Hockley. 33,900 here. I was curious, we were here for the semi-final when there was this huge Pakistan contingent at the World Cup and then they owned the night at the MCG of the final. Have, do you feel like you... I'm quite tapped into that community again to draw them back to see their team in test cricket. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting one. I think we see that when we play on the subcontinent that uh, there's a great level of interest in test cricket, but actually going for a day of test cricket um, is maybe not as... Um, you know, there's not as many people turn out as, as, as T20 where they get, get, get massive crowds. And I think the same is true locally. I mean, there have been a whole load of wonderful events uh, involving the Pakistani community. We've gone to great lengths to engage the community. Uh, you know, I think that we have a supporter bay that's been particularly vocal. Yep. I thought the banter uh, between that group and Bay 13 at the MCG was great. So, you know, I think small but vocal support. Um, you know, and that's the challenge ahead of us is to, you know, I think we'll talk about it later on, but, you know, T20 is the vehicle that brings everybody in and then, you know, graduating people to become test aficionados. I know that 
Um, there's a, a lot of Pakistan fans have come from all around the world, from the UK, from, from the US. Uh, I know that's been noticed and appreciated by the Pakistan team. All right, there's more on the future of Test cricket shortly. Um, how's the search for Dave Warner's baggy greens going? Do you oh, know? goodness. Well, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a great mystery. It hasn't turned up yet. Um, lots of people have been working very hard to try and um, you know, look under every, every rock. Um, and I just implore people, um, yeah, if anyone knows anything, to come forward. It, uh, it is the thing that you know, every kid aspires to, to wear, um, but it, you know, at the moment it's just a, a great mystery. And I do want to I do want to thank everyone who's been working hard to try and locate it. Does it feel a bit forlorn? Well, it hasn't turned up yet. Yeah. Um, but we uh, we keep our fingers crossed. The Warner legacy is a big part of what's playing out in front of us. What's your view as the current chief executive of Cricket Australia? As what legacy Dave Warner leaves cricket in this country? I think it's massive and I think he'll continue to make a, an immense contribution. Uh, it's been a really great moment and week to reflect on his entire career. I mean, we've, there's a lot of cricket. Um, I think Andrew McDonald said it, uh, you know, our greatest all-format player ever. Um, and I think this week has been a great opportunity to reflect on his entire journey. I mean, to be um, really plucked straight into international cricket with hardly playing any any first-class cricket shows the prodigious talent that he is, I, I think, um, and he's uh, just just gone on. I think you know he's as fit as fit as he's ever been, um, and it's just been a great opportunity to to celebrate everything he's achieved. The numbers for me, which are remarkable, the two, five, and six, you know, second highest T20 scorer, fifth highest Test scorer in Australian history, and, and sixth in ODIs. Um, just uh, yeah, says it all. Do you like the setting? A, a proper and formal farewell for a great? Oh, absolutely. I think it's really, really important. And something that we're we're looking to do um, and working with the ACA on uh, is celebrating uh, the, the heritage of the game, former greats, uh, current greats, and you know, it's. Uh, I think the other thing about David is, and I think with all the cricketers, they travel so much, and his family and friends have been such a support. So it's just a really nice, I think, moment for them to recognise them as well as as well as Davey. My only other question out of yesterday's play. So with 34,000 people here, there had been 48 overs bowled to tee. Are you an administrator who worries about over rates in Test cricket? I think um, we need to keep, keep the game moving. Uh, and you know, I think yesterday we saw 10 wickets in a day. So I think when the game is moving in that sense, and there are a lot of... You know, there are a lot of uh, changeovers. There was a change of innings as well. You know, I think that um, it's it's maybe less of a concern. But I think when the game is is getting slower, I do think it's really incumbent on on both captains, and I think it's really incumbent on the the umpires and the match referees to, to keep the game moving. There's experimentation with the shot clock in shorter forms. That sort of seems to make an enormous amount of sense, doesn't it? Is to you're on the clock to change overs. Absolutely. And but there, I mean there are penalties in place. I mean really quite harsh penalties. Think back to the the Ashes players forfeited entireties of their match fees. Uh, so you know I think it's something again on on the captains and the officials to all be working together to keep the game moving. The biggest topic in cricket is the trajectory, the evolution, the, the fate of the, the most cherished form test cricket. Maybe we just go piece by piece before the overall. How concerned are you to see South Africa's board prioritise its domestic T20 competition over a test series? 
Yeah, look, I think that's been a wake-up call for everyone. I, I mean, I think the the role of T20, as I mentioned earlier, bringing new kids in, kids into the game, uh, new people into the game, can't can't be underestimated. Um, yeah, I think their T20 comp, as compared to the Big Bash, we're in our 13th edition. They're in their second. Uh, there's quite a short comp. I think, for me, I think they believe that the two can coexist, and I think that this is a, you know, if anything, this was. Uh, you know, a real scheduling, um, sub, really suboptimal scheduling, um, and I would, you know, I think we in Australia, um, you know, it's very clear that throughout the throughout the whole period of the Big Bash has been been around. We've we've always prioritised international cricket, always prioritised Test cricket, and we will always do that. Um, but I think you know this has shone a light, and um, certainly we'll be working with the, the ICC. Um, working with through scheduling groups to make sure those types of clashes um, don't uh, don't manifest um, and really champion the fact that people need to be prioritising international cricket. That's South Africa. The West Indies squad scenario is no different. Seven uncapped players and their 15 coming here. Now the cause is totally different. How concerned are you that a team that was weak in Test cricket has been through various circumstances weakened further and is very shortly due on our shores. Yeah, I mean, I think the West Indies situation has been um, yeah, a bit, a bit longer in, in the make. I mean, I think if we, if we step right back, if you if you speak to the the vast, vast, vast majority of players, um, you know, they all want to play Test cricket. If you speak to coaching staff, Test cricket is where people really hone their craft. Uh, I think that the you know the Mitch Stark example is a perfect case in point. He's commanded the highest IPL uh, figure, um, having prioritised Test cricket over everything else for the last three years. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, I think that um, it's incumbent on all of us to work together to get the scheduling right, um, and then to be supporting the other countries to to be prioritising. I think the World Test Championship is a um, has been a really a really positive development. Um, and you know, teams do care about their position on the World Test Championship table and, and, and the points. So, um, you know, I think this uh, West Indies side let, it remains to be seen. I know that it remains to be seen how, how, how strong they are. They have got some younger talent coming out, and you know, they'll be wanting to make a name for themselves. Um, uh, the, the question is how long we can keep people in the international game before they then go on. Uh, to, to T20 competitions. Is the FTP doing its job? So I guess one of the... We were just talking about South Africa and India is going to be crying out for a decider, but it's a two-test series, and regrettably this has become such a trend as all you can squeeze in is two tests. Is, is there a need to reform the FTP to recognise the stresses at the moment? Yeah, so I talked about the World Test Championship. I think, uh, for me, two... The preference is at minimum three test series. Uh, so we'll keep advocating and championing, uh, championing that. So I do think there is work to be done on, uh, on, on the FTP going forward. And it's really cementing the, uh, the World Test Championship, uh, really advocating for three, uh, three test series as an absolute minimum. Um, and then as best as we possibly can, making sure that domestic T20 competitions um, we minimise the overlap for those countries where it is a source of um, important source of revenue, um, but that, but that every country is prioritising international and particularly Test cricket. Do, do you think there's a future where fewer nations play Test cricket? Uh, 
I think um, you know, what we've seen over the last few years in Australia and what we're seeing this summer is, uh, and what we saw in, in, the, in the UK over the English summer, is that uh, test cricket is, is really thriving um, in certain countries. Uh, and uh, in, that, um, in that sense, it is a bit of a two-speed two economy. Um, so um, the, 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 the really the, the challenges that we, we continue to support those countries that, um, that uh, are struggling a, a little bit more in terms of, of test cricket. But the, the other piece is, you know, we saw the Netherlands as an example um, doing really well in a, in a ten-team ODI World Cup. It's actually supporting all cricketing countries to grow and give further opportunities more broadly. So when you cast your mind forward, um, you know, I think test cricket is the ultimate and, and you really want to see as, as many countries uh, in many countries challenging as possible. So you could sort of, I could paint you a picture where, so cricket is in rude health the way that it's growing. And I could see a world where there's a T20 World Cup with 32 nations playing. But I can't see a world where the same number of test nations are playing. I'm just not, and in the middle will be the World Cup, which was delightful for the progress of Afghanistan and for the Netherlands. Um, I just wonder, you rightly point out the two-speed economy. Australia, England and India are going to be the bastions of test cricket. But what are your responsibilities to try to keep other nations or to bring them up to speed where they seem to have lagged? I think the whole, all the member nations together have a collective responsibility. Um, and I think it's about context. Um, I think it's about leading by example. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I think it is um, you know, continuing to prioritise the World Test Championship, um, and realise it, it is it is a it is a balancing act, um, and I think we should be, um, you know, we should be celebrating. I think you're absolutely right that you know, Test cricket here in those countries is in absolutely rude health. I've been, as I said, thrilled by the numbers of, of families that have come in. Uh, you're absolutely thrilled with the crowds, thrilled with the, te the television audiences. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a little bit around supporting, but there's also a bit which is actually you know, for um, players around the world aspiring to be uh, testing themselves in, in the ultimate. And, and the Pakistan team have you know, said that this, is, that this is their ultimate. So uh, I think Bangladesh uh, are a really strong emerging nation. Um, and um, yeah, ultimately, it is a balance. There's never been more opportunities for players there's never been more investment in cricket. There's never been more people around the world watching cricket. Um, so, yeah, it continues to be a really, a really fine balancing act. Do you feel confident that in however many years' time, Pakistan will again be on a test tour of Australia? Very confident. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think we're not due to play them again in test series. They're out here next year for, for, for white ball, uh, three T20s, three ODIs. Um, but um, you know, certainly within the next eight years, we'll look to play them again. So I was wondering, we're about to see the next two summers are going to be bonanzas. I wonder if we'll get to the end of those summers and go, well, why, are we, why would we have a summer without one of those two nations here when that's the premium product and when that's what everybody wants to see? I wonder if we'll flip the question in future and say, what... Why aren't we playing India and England as the premium products all the time? Uh, well, we're, we're fortunate that England and India are coming out, um, whether it's for white ball or test series, uh, you know, more frequently than, than they have. 
Um, so that is part of the thinking, but we want to see everybody strong. You know, I, you know, there were people that suggested that this was uh, going to be a, you know, a, week, a week of summer, but we've had record crowds in Perth, had a huge turnout uh, in Melbourne, and this has just been a, the, most, the, most, the most wonderful event. So, you know, I think, as again, it just goes, test cricket is really, really strong uh, in Australia. Uh, and, it, and these players want to play in, in Australia against the, be you know, the best team in the world. So, um, you know, I think that um, I think it's, it's, it is, um, it's about keeping the whole of, of um, the whole all cricketing countries strong and really supporting new and emerging cricketing countries. And you know, I think the U.S. is, is massively exciting to have the, you know, the, the kind of the, the triple momentum of uh, T20 World Cup, the launch of Major League Cricket, and now cricket in the LA 28 Olympic Games. Uh, you know, I think cricket is um, arguably one of, if not the fastest growing team sport in the world. So we, we do cherish Test cricket as the primary form of the game. That's, there's no question, I believe, every word you say on that front. Is, is it is it a truth internationally, or do you think it's just a... So I read South Africa's cricket board statement where they spoke about test cricket and their actions are exactly the opposite for, for whatever reasons. Is that truly held around the world that test cricket is still the form by enough administrators, visionaries and countries? I believe it is. I think it is the challenge is the economics. Um, and so... You know, I think there are parts of the world where you know, the, the revenue from a T20, an ODI and a test match are the same, yet the costs of putting on a test match are significantly higher. So um, yeah, ultimately, um, you know, I believe that the, the cricket fan um, will determine uh, you know, what they want, want to see. Um, and the cricket fans in Australia are voting with their feet that they want to see Test cricket. And they're also voting with their feet that they want to see Big Bash, and that's the beauty, beauty of cricket. So, um, but I think universally amongst players, um, coaches and administrators, uh, there is a recognition that you know, the purest form of the game is Test cricket. Uh, the, the, the ultimate test is Test cricket. Um, and the format in which uh, players build their skills to be successful in other formats is test cricket. Yep. Uh, on our two major events, Boxing Day and the New Year's Test, have you locked long-term contracts in with the MCC and the, S, uh, the SCG Trust? Uh, we're in discussions uh, at, the, at the moment around the next seven years uh, yep. with uh, right across the country. Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley there with SEN's Jared Whateley.